David, you're live, boy. Is it? Guys, I'm serious about that. Dave likes a lot of banter. Just engage him, say, well, good one, Dave, or not such a good one, or whatever you want. Whatever. How's it, guys? Good to be back. Yes, I missed you guys, eh? Like, for real. For real. When we were worshipping, um, when we were singing that song, um, Shower Us With New Rain. How's the words go? Um, I, I just really felt like there's some of us who we've just been in some battles, like consistent battles. Make any sense to anyone? Like just warring against something, whether it's like a uh, evidently spiritual thing or not evidently spiritual. Um, and I felt like what the Spirit was doing as we were just receiving like the goodness of God over us was like there was just a release for, for breakthrough. So if that makes sense to anyone, like a lot of you guys, be bold. I'm going to ask you to be bold and stand. You can stand. I want to read a, I want to read a scripture over you guys. It's a beautiful scripture, Psalm 44, verse 3. And I don't know if anyone else has been getting this, but I've been seeing like recurring numbers like Badonet. Like I take screenshots when I see it on my phone. I've got probably about 40 screenshots of like 2222. Um, but one of the numbers I keep seeing is 44. Um, and I just looked up Psalm 44 and there's a beautiful verse there. And it says this, it says, Our forefathers didn't win these battles by their own strength or their own skill or strategy. But it was through the shining forth of your radiant presence and the display of your mighty power. You loved to give them victory for you took great delight in them. And Father, I just want to thank you for the shining forth of your presence, the radiance of your face. And right now, Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, that we just surrender our own strength, our own strategies, our own skills, those things we've, trying to, we've been trying to use without the breath of your presence, Lord. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that right now you just bring breakthrough in many of our lives this morning, Lord. Because you take great delight in us, Lord. And I just declare the delight of the Father... He's always delighted in us, but we just, we just get to join in that and, and say, Lord, we recognize your delight and we agree with it. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We just love your presence. Amen. 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 Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it's really good to be back, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's love the worship this morning. The presence of God is so evident in this place. Anyone? Yes. Oh. Help me, Lord. You know, I, there's something about living in community that you can't, like, you can't replicate, eh? 
being in Joburg for a few weeks while Jenna was doing the show in, at Monte Casino. Yeah, so Monte is it's a hell of a place, uh, literally. It's a hell of a place. Um, but there's something I've just noticed, even just being away from um, church and community for the last few weeks, is something so profoundly um, beautiful and rich and sustaining about living in community. You, you don't have to agree with me, but it is true. You see, when you're not living in community, what happens, and I noticed that even just like a couple of weeks, your life becomes very small, eh? Because your life becomes centered around yourself. Because you're not engaging with other people with more than a vision for what concerns your own life. So your life actually becomes like very insular, very small, very self-obsessed. Um, just something I noticed. Very self-focused. And um, I actually don't know how people live without having a community where we have vision over each other's lives. Because I, I know, I felt like, geez, man, just being back this morning, it's like, wow, it's like a breath of fresh air. And you know, um, the verse, I can't remember the, um, where it is, but it says, without, without vision, people cast off restraint. And I read it, it was, a, it was a verse of the day this week, and the translation that it was in, it said, without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. There's something so profound about having vision from God over someone else's life that enables them to walk with a focus, walk with a destiny, walk with a purpose. And um, there's something so great about living in community. So I just want to say that from up front. Say, like, it's so good. It's so good to have vision that's bigger than yourself. And I'm so glad that God's vision over my life is way bigger than my vision over my life. Because... He's got, a bit, he's got a vision and a plan that's way bigger. And I love what Cole said last week. Just um, I listened to the podcast. And um, just some things that stood out to me. I just want to just quickly run through them. Because I feel like it's part of what God's continually saying to us. In Christ we have a bigger meaning than ourselves. Jesus is the only place we can fully become ourselves. <coughs> Henry Nouwen quote, The spiritual life does not remove us from the world, but it leads us deeper into it. True spirituality is finding our true life in Christ. When I get saved, I get real life now. Yes, bro. You could start like an Instagram feed with these quotes. It's, it's, um, we need to up the ante of our risk-taking again. That's a good one, eh? It's really, it's really beautiful to take a risk because it puts you in a place where now you are actually concerned about someone else, not yourself. Um, I actually had a lovely experience. We went to PE for a conference at uh, Fountain Vineyard and uh, had an amazing time like getting to minister, pray for people, give people words. And then on the flight back, I literally got like the red eye. I think my flight was left at six. It's like I had to get up at four. It was an absolute trauma. Then I found I was like in the exit row. So I was like, yes, on the aisle, going to have a lovely sleep. Chat, sat next to this amazing couple from Joburg, literally didn't stop talking from the moment I sat down. Um, and it was amazing because I was just talking to them and was, for me I felt it was a real gift and um, they were like super friendly and we were just chatting and um, then I said, like I was just saying, like yeah I really see over you guys, like I didn't make it a weird thing, but I said, really see over you guys, like real, like you guys are, you guys really have an ability to create family and um, yeah, because they were just saying they're newly married and like been married for a year or whatever. 
And they were like, wow, that's amazing. We both come from broken families. And before we got married, we were speaking about how it's just like, we really want to do, you know, do this thing well. Um, and then I, you know, we're chatting and I said later, I was, uh, I was chatting to, um, said to the girl, I was like, um, I just, I, I really just see over you like dreams, dreams. Like there's something about your dreams and like God wants to really speak to you in dreams and like you've got dreams. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually, I just, I've got a book next to my bed and I write down dreams and I've just, you know, been dreaming. I was like, okay, cool, cool. And then I sang to the guy, I was like, yeah, I just feel like you really have ability to make money and like, because he'd been telling me about his business and stuff and like, you're going to be really successful in business. They're like, oh, that's so cool, that's so cool, makes sense. His name actually means like he's got a real, real ability to make money. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and I was just like, it was such a gift for me to be able to have that opportunity to just see something over people and, and declare it and just in such a way that they were just like they were, they were like loving life um, and um, there's something about um, living in a place where we live for more than ourselves so I really just feel that I love that verse that Carl used last week um, from the Passion, Romans 8, with, uh, the phrase was, with outstretched necks. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe or anxiously anticipating what is about to happen with an outstretched neck. Imagine living with a posture like just anxiously anticipating what God's going to do over other people's lives. Thank you. Thank you for that. Amen. So often we get lost we, we let the how get in the way of the what. It's powerful, bro. We let the how get in the way of the what. And I think sometimes we just need to go after what God is already saying, what God has already spoken over us, and He'll lead us in the how. And for some of us, I just feel this morning, He just wants to break off like, like an apathy, because I feel like some of us, we've just been stuck like in a stagnant place, and God just wants to get us to move. And if that means getting in a car and sitting in the back with four people to bloom, then just do it. Like, just invest your life in moving towards people. And, you know, it's like, it's really easy to come and just, like, go through the motions and, and prepare a preach. And even in this morning when I was putting, like, just preparing, it's like, part of it's just like, I was just like going through the motions. Um... And I just want to be vulnerable with you guys and say that, like, we can't get to a place and live our spiritual lives where it's just like we go through the motions or any part of our lives. Um, it's like there's more. There's more to living this life of faith and the life of the love of the Father than just, like, going through the motions. But He wants to move us to a place where our hearts are moved. And I really felt that God is birthing hunger in our hearts. It's like we, in, we live in a generation that's so overfed and so overstimulated, so oversatisfied. It's like, they, you know, what is hunger anymore? Like people, we just like have so many options, so much choice. But I feel like the Spirit's wooing us as a people to live as a people with a hunger. You know, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And there's something about just... Hey, you know, let's be a people who are actually hungry and desperate and moved by the spirits for the things that move Him. And I was just thinking about it during the week. Um, 
I write this down. Um, what does it look like to see the transforming power of God move in our lives? You know, Paul said, I don't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the, of the Spirit's power. And I, I, sometimes I feel like the way that we live our lives and the way that our, we process information, everything these days is about wise and persuasive words. Everything's about like the new argument, the new way of saying things. Like, but what if people start just getting over that and encountering the transforming power of the Spirit? And sometimes I think in the West and in the church, we've kind of moved beyond actually relying on the transforming power of the Spirit. Because the only thing that can actually change a heart is an encounter with Jesus. The only thing that can actually move someone out of addiction is when the Spirit comes and brings true freedom, true revelation of identity, of who we are in Christ. How are we partnering with God? And I was asking myself this. How am I living my life in such a way that I'm actually partnering with God? Not just living my life and then Aladdin, rub the, rub the lamp, genie, Prince Ali, Lord, please make a way for a parking in front of Willie's food. Oh, wow. I didn't say your name all day, Lord, but now I need a parking. <laughs> what does it look like to live lives where we're partnering with God, partnering with the Father? Because there is no sacred and secular in the kingdom. It's the kingdom coming. Heaven coming to earth. At the end of the end in Revelation, a heavenly city comes down from heaven to earth. And we are, we are you know, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So maybe if a heavenly city is coming down to earth in the end, maybe we should get about living and creating heavenly cities on earth right now, seeing the kingdom come where we are. And maybe it doesn't mean building a massive church of thousands and thousands of people. Maybe it just means the people in this room getting a vision and a heart for the city to see God move and to start to bring restoration and reformation in our city in our time. What would it look like to see a move of prayer sweep this generation? And I, really, I felt this when we were in PE, but I really feel like there's something that God's stirring in our generation for a prayer movement. Because we've had an incredible sense of like a worship movement in the last like 10, 20 years. Um, but there is something about just a movement of prayer where we're just hungry on our knees, just seeking God. For the things that we can't do and can't see and can't accomplish without Him and His face and His arm moving on our behalf. And I was watching, uh, following a guy who leads a church in New York, in Manhattan itself. Um, and he was just uh, sharing something yesterday, saying they've just been on this journey of like these workshops about prayer. And he, and he said they had this workshop in yesterday, I think, yeah, Saturday. And um, he said like people just got overcome and they were praying and just crying out to God on their knees for like three hours in New York City. Where people don't even have like an extra second to look you in the eyes. And there's something of this, you know, the guy, Pete, Gre Pete Gregg, who wrote that book, um, Red Moon Rising, some of you guys might know, started the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, I was listening to, when we were in PE, I listened to an interview with him where he said, in the UK, the prayer movement is literally just 
taking over the entire country. They've got a movement called Kingdom Come that was started by the Archbishop of the Anglican Church. And now they've got like, I think, something like over 500 churches from Anglicans to Charismatics, I think even Catholics, joining together regularly to pray. He says there's people in Labour and Conservative um, in Parliament, Spirit-filled Christians who are meeting um, regularly on a weekly basis just to pray. Without any agenda, but say, God, let your kingdom come. And I think there's something where God just wants to arrest our hearts, but we be people who are just like, God, we, we've, got to, we've got to find ourselves on our knees again. I'm not even doing this on my phone, so I don't know how long I'm going. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Or in the Passion it says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him. In the message, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And... Um, that verse, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God. It comes after a passage where Jesus is um, telling people not to be anxious. I just want to read it for you. Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and eat your... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to this span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I just, I just really felt like God was on this verse, because um, I just re really feel like He's calling us to, He's reminding us about being a people that just seek after one thing. And... Um, Psalm 27, I was reading it in worship. Psalm 27 verse 4, this is what David says. He says, Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with Him every moment in His house, finding the sweet loveliness of His face, filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to Him that He takes pleasure in my every prayer. Imagine being a people where we just say, here's the one, one thing I crave, the one thing I seek above all else, the presence of God. There's something just about being a people that seek out the face, the goodness, the kindness of God in our lives again. And the word seek means to properly seek by inquiring, to investigate, to search, to get to the bottom of a matter. And I love how that, that translation says, it's one thing I seek. And I feel like 
something about being a people of one thing is so profound. Because it's, it's so countercultural to the way the world is today. It's like, you can't, just be, you can't just be about one thing. You can't say, there's one truth higher above any other truth. You can't say, like, this is the, this is the way, the truth, and the life. You, you can't do that anymore. Or is, is it only me? It's not, like, it's not common for people to stand up for one thing. If you stand up for one thing, people are going to shoot you down because you're not standing up for something else. Why do you think LGBTQ plus is getting longer and longer and longer? Because the moment you stand up for something, someone else is left out. And the moment you stand up for that person, someone else is left out. And we're so concerned about standing up for minorities, which is really good, but sometimes we like just you, you miss the one thing. He's after kingdom people who will live for one thing above all else. And you know the amazing thing when it says, seek first the kingdom? We actually follow a God, and it says in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So seeking God is actually, we just, it's the nature of God to seek out the lost. It's the nature of God to seek us out. So when we're seeking after God, it's actually, we're just, we're just responding to a God who's already sought out sought us out from the very beginning. It's interesting. Matthew 18.11 says, The Son of Man came to save that which was lost. To seek and save that which was lost. Not just the lost, but everything that has been lost. And there's something of like, Jesus came into the world to seek it out, like the, to seek out the one. And He's calling us now to seek out the one. As you seek His face, you can't help but seek out the lost. It's like, if you say you're getting caught up in the presence of God and the beauty of who He is, but you're not seeking out people and you're not moving towards people, then you're not seeing who He is. Because Jesus always stopped for the one. He always stopped for the one. It's like, don't worry about where you're going to be in three or five years' time. Maybe just worry about the person God's put in front of you, being faithful to what He said, being faithful to what He's asked you to do, doing it in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Passion Translation says, Above all, pray for the kingdom realm of God. Pray for the kingdom realm of God. It's like, seek His kingdom. You know, Jesus said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our prayer. Like, where are we seeking out the kingdom breaking in? Like, seek first the kingdom. Like, in your life, it's like almost saying, like, God, give me the clues to see. Like, let me find a little hint of where the kingdom's breaking out. Your, king, your kingdom's breaking out there. Okay, I'm going to join you. Oh, your, your spirit's on that person. I'm just going to join with what your spirit's doing. There's a guy in the car park. I'm just going to go with what your spirit's saying. I'm preaching now. How much of our lives do we live without the need and thought to pray for the coming of the kingdom? I mean, I'm, I must be honest, eh? I really felt convicted. A lot of my life, I just live without the need to pray. I'm being honest, eh? <coughs> love to spend time worshipping God in the car and thanking Him, but sometimes I'm just like, wow. I went through like an entire day, like just grappling with these things at work, trying to, trying to like really give myself to these things. But why didn't I just stop and pray and say, God, I want to partner with you. God, I want you to come. I need your wisdom. 
You know? If anyone, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Why don't we just, it's like, wow, God. There's something about just a humility of saying, actually, God, I need your help. Some of us have even forgotten what it's like to pray in tongues. It's important. We edify our spirits. And I feel like, you know, it's just like the, the Father's on this thing of the kingdom coming to confront our culture and us not being swayed by the worm of our culture this way or the worm of our culture that way. He's always moving us to live lives that are beyond ourselves. And that's why I said it at the beginning, it's so great that God's vision over your life is bigger than your vision over your life. Because His vision over your life is a vision that you might be, like in Psalm 1 it says, you might be like a tree planted by streams of living water that bears fruit in season, so that a tree exists not for itself, but for those around it. The way He seeks us, we seek others. The way that when you, get an, when you get a revelation of the way that God moved and like orchestrated all of these events in your life and in your history so that you would encounter Him, you then start to see over other people that God is working over their lives and maybe He's placed you in their life so that you can be an encounter for them with Him. And maybe you say, like, I, don't know, like, I don't know what my calling is, I don't know what my gifting is. It's fine because you've got a testimony. If you've encountered God, if you've received Jesus, you've responded to Him, you can give that away. You can say, I know that God has done something in, in my life and I can give it away. I love that He says, seek first. And I'll, I'll, I'll start finishing now. But There are not many firsts these days, eh? Like we live in a world where everyone is, increasingly everyone is a winner. I mean, we don't have kids yet, but I hear that now everyone gets a prize. Eh? Eh? Like I, I actually don't want to go to prize giving when, when we have children because it sounds like everybody's going to get a prize. It's like school's going to become like the Oprah Winfrey show. Look under your chest. Everybody's got a prize. We live in a, worst, a world where there are not many firsts. It says seek first. And I'll, I'll never forget what Carl said. Like, What if we just live our lives when the first thing we say when we wake up in the morning is Jesus? Another way that you can translate that word first is seek, first the, kingdom, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What would it look like if we lived our lives... With his, a king, with his kingdom above all else in our lives. What's taking first place in your life? I know for me, often it's not kingdom. Or like, what's the first thing you reach to? What is vying for the first affections of your heart? Proverbs 4.23, above all else guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And I don't know about you guys, but I find myself, I find like my heart can grow dull. And recent times I really have felt that. And I, I think like living in a world with constant, instant, at the click of a button, gratification, satisfaction, 
stimulation. Like with our, our senses being overstimulated, it's like the affections of your heart can get dull. Yeah? It's like, oh, wow, another beautiful photo of a beautiful canyon somewhere. Swipe. <laughs> it's true, though. You know it's true. Guard the, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. And there's something about God where he says, I want to be the first affection of your heart. Some of us need to take stock of our hearts. I'm, and I'm including myself here. Some of us have been allowing ourselves to consume information and entertainment that has dulled our hearts and has dulled our purity. And that's not a, that's not a condemn, condemnation. But I think that we have become dulled to sometimes like the graphic realities of entertainment. Some of us have been assaulted in the deep places of our hearts and affections and need the healing love of the Father to restore our hearts to a place of first love again. Some of us are carrying deep pain and wounding. And also felt some of us, we just need to find some, un, we need to let, let go of some unforgiveness in our lives. I think we all carry unforgiveness. Maybe even just like a, at a subconscious level. And it's always good to allow the Spirit to come and say, look, am I holding on to something? Yeah. Is there an offense in my life that's taken root? Because it affects the affections of our hearts. And I love that Jesus says, he starts the passage before he says, seek first the kingdom. He says, do not be anxious. Because the enemy knows that if you can get us to live in the place of anxiety, then you know what anxiety does? Everything just becomes, I'm anxious about where's the money going to come from, where we're going to live, how's it going to work out, self, 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 self. And we all do it. I do it all the time. So your thoughts just become like the self-perpetuating loop. So Jesus says, do not be anxious about these things, but seek first the kingdom. Because the enemy knows if he can get us anxious and self-focused, we won't be other-focused. We won't be seeking the kingdom. We won't be saying, where's the kingdom breaking over your life? Because I'll come into the room for home group and I'll be so consumed by my own anxiety about what I'm going to eat, drink, wear, that I won't be able to say, actually, wait, what's God doing over Tessa's life right now? And it's quite interesting that Jesus says, um, verse 28, He says, actually verse 21 puts it nicely. I'll read from 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he carries on. He says, Do not be anxious about life, what you will eat, drink, about your body, what you will put on. And it's, and it's quite interesting. He says, Do not worry about what you eat, drink, about your body, what you will put on. And I just, I just want to touch on this before I close, if that's okay. Um, why does he say eat? Because it talks about like your, your, like your sustenance, your provision. If you're hungry, if you, if you don't have anything to eat, 
all you're going to be thinking about is the next meal. So don't be anxious about what you're going to eat. And what is that? So for us, we don't, have, we don't live our lives worrying about like, what's, what am I, like, where am I going to find the next meal. But we do live about like, where, you know, when's the next paycheck coming? Or where am I going to find like, the next like, God? Like, you know? So when you're consumed about like, where your provision is coming from, it's like you can't really think about anything else. When you're consumed about, like when you're anxious about provision, how can you live a life of generosity? Do not worry about what you will drink. And that just talks about like satisfying your thirst. So if you, if you live a life where you're worrying about like, like what's going to, like where my dreams, what is going to satisfy me, how am I going to like live my destiny, all those things. You become so consumed about that, you can't live with faith for what God's called you to do. Do not worry about your body. Your body talks about your image and your sense of identity. And that's, like, that's basically our generation. Like, if you're anxious about your, your, your identity, who you are, how people perceive you, you can't be confident to release over other people who God sees them as because you're so concerned about what they're thinking about who you are and how, like, oh, my hair, my this. And then do not worry about what you will put on, your clothes. And what does that talk about? It talks about, like, our possessions, what defines us. And when, you, when you're anxious about what defines you and how people are going to react to you, you can't live a life where you see something bigger over other people's lives and say, like, there's something great that God has over your life. And he says, don't be anxious about those things. I know you need those things. Instead, seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Seek what I'm doing, where I'm breaking in, and I'll take care of the rest. <coughs> Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And then he finishes and says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's like we don't seek, it's like the upside down nature of the kingdom. When we seek his kingdom, everything gets added anyway. When we seek all those other things, like we just get consumed by anxiety. For whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But whoever insists on keeping his life will lose it. And what profit is there in gaining the whole world when it means forfeiting oneself? Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I, just, I have a sense that God just wants to restore dignity over our lives. He wants to restore destiny over our lives. He wants to restore dreams over our lives. And he wants to invite us to be a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who seek first his kingdom. So Father, I just want to thank you for your pursuit of our lives. feel like it's like God is He's realigning the affections of our hearts this morning. Come on, maybe we can just play a little bit. I won't keep us for too long.
we'll just do you want to just play um break wide open? I just want to invite the spirit to just speak and bring freedom. Let's stand together. I really felt that like some of us just need to take stock of our hearts. I think all of us constantly need to take stock of our hearts. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and pour out your love. Some of us, some of us, we've lost hope. 